together. He's brought us together to accomplish what he has desired for each and every one of us to participate in. I'm trying to be very careful this morning. We had a wonderful time Friday night. There we go, Ben. Got it? We were finally able to get together as our leadership. Kathy uh, wanted to cook a roast beef dinner. So, yeah, don't be jealous. Yeah. Uh, Kathy does make a good roast beef dinner. And we felt that it was important that we uh, have that time together and that we asked everyone to prepare, if they would, in their coming of both visions, dreams, goals that they really had sensed for both themselves and for the body. And so uh, time went by pretty quick. (laughs) And it was, I think, the last person left like at 10 minutes to midnight. But it was... uh, it was very special, and I'm, and I'm going to take my time this morning because I have such an awareness in my heart that what started back months ago, as it was in the days of Noah, there's so much that's going to be important for us as the Lord keeps bringing this opportunity or this thread of sight, seeing, watching, being aware, because if we really recognize, as in the days of Noah, I keep trying to break down, and I'm going to break down again this morning, of not allowing eschatology, this framework that we have in our mind, of his return, when he's going to return, when that's going to happen, to be in our forefront. Surely it's all part of his word, but it isn't the focus And one thing that's important to understand in the days of Noah was the degree of the demonics that were in the earth. And so when we often look at in the days of Noah, we go to escape, we go to that eschatology. But what I hope that we can begin to see what's important, because God is always trying to Remove our blindness. The things that prevent us from seeing. Give us the ability to hear. And those are the things that I'm, I'm just going to try to walk through this because I've been so careful, I'm trying to be so careful of how this comes because I'm trying to learn this, I'm trying to become aware of this as you are pushing back all of the things that have influenced the way I think today, both spiritual and religious, if you will. And so I know there's a seed that was deposited myself and many during the Jesus movement, that there was a seed, the word of the kingdom, that's a part of who who I am, who we are. Because there were, starting with 200 churches, went to 1,100 churches, within seven years. And then there was a period of time where that work was then scattered, and all of those that were part of that work were scattered throughout all of the world. I don't usually like to use names, but Francis Frangipange was one of those. So there are those of us that carry a seed, and so we've been influenced by 
our teachings of those that we've been under, but also the things that we have learned ourselves to some degree over all these years. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is that since the Lord began to describe to me or to invite me in to have the understanding of as in the days of Noah were, I've really tried to uh, be careful and learn and affirm of the things that have been transpiring, both for me and for what's taking place in the world. So I'm going to try to be very deliberate if I can, and I'm trying to <clears throat> keep my countenance in such a way that it's um, not as foreboding of the day that we're in. And that's, that's the reality that I'm hoping is my gentleness and the, and, the, and the clarity, but also the simplicity of the word will help you have a, a clear sight to where you yourself will know, not just through me. It's something that you will know and experience, both in the word, but that which is inside of you, but also the things that you see every day, the things that you're involved with. Because that's your life. That's very real. And I just loved last Sunday the word that Sean had brought. Sean was transparent. Sean was expressing the things that all of us are expressing. We don't have the ability to walk through the things that we're being asked to do, both in the natural and in the realm of what God is asking us to do in that book concerning us, in the frailty of who we are. Because every time something comes into our circumstance, we realize how dependent that we are upon him. And even our relationship is not enough to get us through the places that we are going. Because who would have thought a year and a half ago of this pandemic that came to the earth, no one was prepared for that, spiritually nor in the natural. But what I loved about that is, is that God is so writing, he's so writing a roadway that is going to be so personal for each and every one of us. If we'll allow the word, if we'll take it inside, and not like it was in the days of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, when God wanted to bring them to the mountain, and he wanted to write the words of life upon their heart. But they told Moses, no, we don't want to go up. You go up. You listen to what God has to say. You then come down and bring it to us. So what did God have to do? He had to write the living word, the intimate word that he wanted to write on the people of Israel, his people, what he wanted to write upon their hearts, he had to put it on stone. And so everything that God is doing right now, he's etching it upon your, your heart. And that's why when we read all of these settings such as this is being sealed up for a later time or such a time as this. This is that time. And what's important is, is that you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to write upon your heart because Sean's testimony is my testimony. 
What we heard last Sunday in, in, in the openness of his heart was all of our testimony. But what was so wonderful is, is that he then began to see. He was able to see the person of Jesus and that which was wrapped around his waist. That was truth. And it's so amazing to me is because all through this uh, learning process for me of going through the scriptures now that are being revealed to me, the reality that the Jesus that many people have of the portrait of him on the wall isn't him. And what I find so amazing is is that Jesus had turned and asked Sean to hold on to truth and follow him. And I thought that was so amazing because he wasn't going to allow the image that Sean may have had in his mind of what Jesus looked like because the emphasis was truth. And he says, if you'll follow truth, then you'll be following me because I am the person of truth. And so this is that whole thread that I'm beginning to be so much aware of as now that we move forward and the things that are so amazing right now. What a privilege that we have of the mysteries being revealed. And it's not about eschatology in itself. And it's just so amazing because then I'm thinking, okay, the spirit of truth, I'm looking at all of this. I am your healer. I'm your deliverer. <laughs> While Sean's holding on to this belt of truth. I'm your counselor, Sean. <laughs> I'm your mighty fortress. I'm your refuge, Sean. Just hold on. Don't let go. Just hold on, Sean. This is who I am. This is who you're holding on to. This is the word of life. This is the word made flesh. Hold on to the word. Hold on to me. Because it will not fail you. And so I'm starting to get this whole, this whole setting of truth. And you can turn to Matthew, I mean, excuse me, uh, James, James, help me, Father, John 18. And I'm looking at this whole setting and, and I'm looking at Pilate and all of us have seen the passion in all these different settings. And all I can hear is uh, Pilate saying, well, what is truth? I'm just, that's just ringing in my ears. What is truth? So I had to go to John 18. And again, there are so many things that the movies bring this mindset. <laughs> that all of a sudden, it becomes what we focus on. All of us focus on something different. But what I thought was so amazing is that I want to read this. This is John 18, and this is verse 37. And I hope you just really, really listen this morning. This is all about sight. This is all about seeing. This is all about removing your blindness. This is about letting you know 
as it was in the days of Noah, the deceiver is at work. In 6,000 years, it has not changed. The deceiver is at work as it was in the days of Noah. Stop and think about it. The father says he'll cut the the time short. He'll cut the time short to preserve the elect. There was a preservation knowing that the deceiver at that time, in the days of Noah, mankind was deceived. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Say, Father, give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see beyond where I have presently been, what I currently understand, beyond what Lonnie is saying. Write it on my heart this morning. Make this real to me. Because I want you to listen to these words. This is what Jesus spoke before Pilate said, what is truth? And again, if you've ever questioned if there's a book written concerning you, This is the book that Jesus is referring to that was written concerning him. Listen to what he was born for. You've got to listen to this. You have to see this. Of course, Pilate asked him, so you say you asked him that he was king, and he says, so you say you're king. Now listen to these words. You say correctly that I am king. For this... I have been born, and for this I have come into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And of course, Pilate's answer was, what is truth? Pilate's view was everything that he heard, but also everything that he was aware of. He says, I find no fault in this man. Based upon what he felt, what he thought he could discern, if you will, or weigh what was right or wrong. But then we have the chief priests. They're there, and what are they saying? Crucify him. Crucify him. Now, I want again, I want to keep this simple. Begin to recognize Pilate could see nothing else but what he saw in the natural. Now, let's go to Luke 24, if you could. No, I want to say that. I want to read this. This is what Jesus was trying to say to Pilate. I want to establish the definition of what truth is this morning. This is what Jesus was really saying to Pilate. I am the living word, truth in the flesh, not subject to change or interpretation, not dependent upon your perspective or your opinion. You do not decide what is right or wrong. My Father's word, truth, stands on its own. 
So if you've ever wondered what truth is, that's the definition of truth. The Father's word stands on its own, on, on its own and it is unmoved, unchangeable. Now let's go to Luke 24. Because as we begin to see the chief priests, if you will, I pondered this and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, Lord, we have Pilate that now is assessing on the natural. All he can do is make his judgments upon the things that he sees. But yet you have the Pharisees, you have the mob, you have the chief priests saying, crucify him, crucify him. Now of all people, they should have known truth. But listen to this, because now when we go into Luke 24, we have the two young men that are on the road to Emmaus. Jesus has died. Amen. He was placed in the tomb. And everybody just left. These two men figured, okay, it's all over. We're going to get out of town before we get crucified. I want you to listen to these words because it's all about sight, how we're locked into the things that allow us or do not allow us to see. Because these two young men now are walking and Jesus just happens to come along with them. And again, just let that word blindness can't see, watch, all these things that I'm saying, because somehow this got to be so real for us, because deception is so real. <laughs> Amen. This is uh, Luke 24, verse 15. While they were walking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began to travel with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. <laughs> I'll go down to verse 19. And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet in deed and in word, in the sight of God and all the people. <laughs> Verse 25. Oh, you foolish men and slow to heart to believe in all the things the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 26. Now verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. These two young couldn't recognize him. Why couldn't they recognize him? They saw him as a prophet. They saw him as a prophet. So surely he couldn't be the son of God because in their blindness, going back to the chief priests, if all people, of all people that should have known and recognized that it was Jesus who was before them, whom they arrested. They knew from Moses through the prophets the same scriptures that Jesus referred to that explained and told all about him. Of all people, they were students of the Torah. They were students of the words of the prophets. They should have known and did not recognize him. And so I want to continue to identify these things that, that apprehend our sight. 
that keeps us from being able to see what's truly taking place, truly who he is. And he's nothing, nothing other than the Lord Jesus himself. Now, I'm going to ask, I've asked John, if he would, to come up. And I've asked him to, uh, if you'll give, give him your microphone, Sean. Not Sean, I've asked uh, John to read Matthew 38. Because as I'm following this story, and I want, you to, I want you to get this word picture as we now move into the setting of the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus, and we all know the story, has taken three of his disciples and said, I want you to go and will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? And John, if you take the microphone and come up, I want you to do it up here if you would, please, so they can see you. I want you, and just take your time with it. Because I want you to listen to watch, watching. Listen to the words that are being spoken this morning. You had those that wanted to crucify him. Pilate could only see him after the flesh. His decisions were swayed upon, I'm going to lose my job if I don't satisfy these people. The priests, the mob, they did not recognize, they could not see him for who he was, though they even knew the scriptures that were written concerning him. I have to believe that these two young men on the road to Emmaus because there was no New Testament, folks. They were students of the Word. They were students of the written Word, the Old Testament. And it all pointed, it all explained, it all told the story of Jesus. But these two young men just saw him as what? Prophet, no big deal. We've had prophets come through. Prophets have been written, written about for 4,000 years. What's, what's the big deal? I guess he wasn't who he said he was. I guess the word isn't true. Maybe it's another. And I want you to listen to this Matthew 38 because this is really, really, really important. Uh, ben? Does he need the other one? Yeah, let me get this one, John. Test, 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 test. Number 13, Ben? Test, 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 test. A little bit louder. A little bit louder. A little bit louder. A little bit louder. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. I want this loud and clear. Got it. And just talk real, real slow, John. There's no hurry. We're not going anywhere this morning. No, no, this is John. Uh, did I give you the wrong scripture? Matthew, yeah, Matthew 26, verse 38. 38, okay. Yeah, there you go. That's okay. And he said to them, My heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away. Overcome with grief, he threw himself up a little bit louder, man. He threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, "My Father, if there is any way you can deliver me from the suffering, please take take it from me. 
what I want is not important, but I only desire to fulfill your plans for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Later, he came back to his three disciples and found them all sound asleep. He awakened Peter and said to him, Do you lack the strength to stay awake? by now that your spirit is eager enough but your humanity is weak then he left them for a second time to pray in solitude he said to God my father if there is not a way that you can deliver me from this suffering then your will must be done he came back to the disciples and found them sound asleep for they couldn't keep their eyes open So he left them and went away to pray the same prayer for the third time. When he returned again to his disciples, he awoke them saying, Are you still sleeping and resting? Don't you know the hour has come for the Son of Man to be handed over to the authority of the sinful men? Get up, let's go, for the betrayer has arrived. Beautiful. Or the one who portrays me is at hand. Thank you, John. Jesus was not concerned about the soldiers that were coming to arrest him. I'm going to say this again. Jesus was not concerned about the soldiers that were coming to arrest him. Because he knew his story. He knew what had to be fulfilled. But what he was trying to say is is that, brethren, I'm about to go into the greatest spiritual battle of my life unto death. I just need you to be with me. You can't help me but you can stand with me and pray. You can ask my Father to help me, that this cup might pass from me. But in this greatest time, don't fall asleep. Watch, be attentive, not for the soldiers, but for the discernment of this one who wants to destroy me before I can make the sacrifice that's required to make, or that I might choose not to fulfill my story. And so what was so amazing to me, I keep looking at this whole uh, this whole chain of events of the blindness both spiritual and natural but recognizing also that the spirit is willing but the body is weak. But but I began to see all of these settings, surely the word, because those chief priests should have known. Those two young men on the road of Emmaus should have known. They should have recognized him. They should have had the ability to see him. They should have recognized him at the minute that he appeared on the road. Wait a minute. Let me go to the scriptures. 
Because I think I remember reading about some guy coming in on a donkey. Wasn't what the priest told them. Wasn't part of their Torah teaching. Because all the young Jewish men were trained up in the Word. But there had to be something that would ignite inside them. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I know. Now wait a minute. In the tomb for three days. That should have clicked. They should have never left. But apparently the word wasn't that real to them because they were still blind thinking that he's just a prophet. Surely wouldn't God wouldn't come in this way, would he? No, 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 no. He, he can't be the son of God. He should be having a crown and have this entourage on a donkey. I don't think so. But I want you to look at is in chapter, excuse me, yeah, in chapter, we're talking 26. Look at this last scripture, verse 46. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Can I tell you the one who betrays you and I is at hand? It's right here. Now again, watch, watching, discerning truth from the natural to the spiritual. Things, our eschatology, things that we've been taught, things that we hold on to, things that we've been purposed to learn. The deceiver is at work. And I want you to hear because the deceiver is the same one who betrays you or causes you to be a betrayer because you have to be deceived first to even move into that place. Listen to the one who is at hand today. Eschatology, I've already talked about that. Hardship, fear, Oppression, depression, how about prosperity, denial, not standing with one another, or looking for another Jesus. See, I'm so aware of the things that are transpiring right now that the urgency of knowing truth, the person of truth. And when we come and the betrayer, the deceiver comes, there is no urgency. Oh, this will all pass. Oh, they say by April or May, this will be all over. We can go back to our normal life. Oh, it's okay. Oh, I don't mind being in the house. Oh, I don't mind not having to work. There's no urgency. There's no truth. You've become deceived. We become deceived in this place that we then become just complacent over compromise. And so what's going to be so important for us, and we're going to go to Revelations, but we're not going to get really out there because I want this to be practical. We've got to get grounded right now in what's taking place. It's so important for you to be the student of that which will allow this word, the words that have been coming, let it be written upon your heart. It's something that you respond to that it renews your mind. It doesn't then become that which is a battle or a war, the enmity of the Spirit of God in our mind. 
because we're not completely transformed yet. Our minds haven't been completely transformed. But they're being renewed by the Spirit of the Lord right now. And if you allow the Word to become alive and living, it'll renew this place of mindsets, things that you've gotten locked into. What do they used to call them? Golden cows or golden calves. Things that we've held on to for years and years and years. Or things that we've denied. Or why don't we be a part of that? Well, I don't believe in the end times. I believe we're already into the kingdom. All of these things that are just betraying your ability to see the day that we are in. And I don't know how else to say it. The urgency right now is to truly know who he is. He is your father. And he does know you. And he knows you by name. Let's go to Revelations, and I believe it's uh, 16. Revelation 16, 15. Now, I, f- I know for many it's the, the idea floods in, well, you know, all these people around me, they've had so many years to be able to be students of the Word, and they study the Word more than I do, and I just don't have time and even if I started now, how could I really learn? How could I really learn all these things that I'm supposed to know and things that I need to know and the urgency that I should have? I was praying this morning, the Father is a redeemer of time. The word says, the latter glory will be greater than the former. Amen? The last shall be first. When it talks about being changed in a twinkling of an eye, there's that moment of time that everything, and that's what our purpose is as leadership here, that everything that has been poured into us, no matter how many years, will be poured out into you in a moment of time. That's what the word says. Changed. Metamorphosis. Twinkling of an eye where you then become that which the living word then just transforms you into equally where I am without needing time to catch up because we are all one. And so what's wonderful, now listen to this Revelation 16. This is out of the Amplified now. It says, Behold, Get eschatology out of your mind. I can already hear it. (laughs) Get the end times, get the eschatology out of your mind. Because he can come as a thief anytime he wants. He doesn't have to be at the closure of this age. Because he has come. And there's many perusias and there's many comings. But it's an expression that you would recognize the urgency of it. The urgency of it and the preparedness of it. He doesn't automatically want you to go, I come as a thief in the night, and all of a sudden you're thinking of the days of Noah, and oh my God, he's not coming as a flood, but he's coming in fire, and then oh my goodness, he's going to take us up, and I better get ready. Oh, I, might just, I better have clean shoes and socks on when he comes, right? No, it's an opportunity to be prepared. Now listen to these words. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake, watching, and who keeps his clothes. That is, stays spiritually ready for the Lord's return, so that he will not be naked, 
spiritually unprepared, and men will not see his shame. This is all about character. It's all about being clothed with his righteousness. It's all about not having the blindness, not being betrayed by our own thoughts, our own eschatology, our own teachings, our own borders, if you will, our own denial, or I don't believe in that, or I don't think that's, I don't agree with. There's no way that you cannot agree with the truth. Truth. I am the living word, truth in the flesh, not subject to change or interpretation, not, depend, not dependent upon your perspective or your opinion. You do not decide what is right or wrong. My Father's word, truth, me, stands on its own. If you have a hard time reading the word, Find a CD player and get the word on CD. Play it at night while you're sleeping. Because your spirit's awake all the time. Your spirit never sleeps. Because my greatest concern is, is that we are, oh, I know what I want to do. Thank you, Lord. I want, I want to solidify. I want to ground what I've said this morning with someone that I know personally. Because I've been talking about the Word, I've been talking about the things that I've been experiencing, but I, wanna, I, wanna hear, I want you to hear the expression of a truth from a person that sent me a text Tuesday. You may not believe the Word, you may not think that you're in agreement, but I want you to listen to this. Because you must know the deceiver is the spirit of this age working together to deceive, if possible, even the very elect. This is a text that someone sent to me, a copy of it, that they received on Tuesday, which was the, seventh, the, the 16th. <clears throat> and all of us are aware of the power outages in Texas, right? If you don't, then you're in a hole somewhere and <laughs> haven't been listening to anything. Has there not been hundreds of hours of blame, explanation, unfortunate settings, people without food, people without heat, people dying, person found in their will, their uh, recliner had died, froze to death, and all of the reasons for all the explanations, all of the truth that's been displayed. This is a truth that I can tell you is from a person's experience who lives in Texas. The power outages are not from the weather. The power outages are not from the weather. The state sent out notices that there would be rolling blackouts starting this past weekend. There hasn't been power since yesterday, which was the 15th. 
in Louisville and Port Fort Worth, there were no grocery stores open or restaurants. You cannot buy gas. This is a person that's living truth right now. I've said it, Sean said it last week, things are not as they appear. I want to say it again, things are not as they appear. We're going to continue to hopefully be able to be responsible to bring you into a setting that you can have confidence that you both see, you both see the person of truth, you hear the ink coming off a page, the Holy Spirit quickens, you hear the word of truth, and then you can see it in your world. Because your world has to be penetrated. It has to be surrendered to his world, to the kingdom. Otherwise, we will be betrayed and we'll be deceived. And I've tried to speak through this whole thing, both the whole setting of what we've found ourselves in the midst of is this pandemic. Go to the word. Find people that you can trust. Exchange. Speak to one another truth. I refer to those 120 in the upper room. Jesus spent 40 days with them. Those two guys from the road to Emmaus, maybe they were a part of it. I don't know. They could have been within earshot. Speaking of those things concerning the kingdom. There were thousands of people that heard that word and there was only 120 that actually chose to respond. And so in the upper room, they spent 10 days. He said, just wait. Wait from that power upon high. And I'm repeating myself, but it's a type and a shadow. All they knew as these two young men on the road to Emmaus was the teachings from Moses to the prophets other than the 40 days that they spent that time with Jesus. So here they are, 120, male and female. I have to believe there were some kids in there because they don't always number the children. And they had 10 days to sort it out. Power from upon high. What could that be? Of course, if they went to the scriptures because it explained everything concerning Jesus, it would have told of that. So I think that was the anchor, but their love for him and their love for one another. And they had to spend that 120 days praying and then just appealing to one another. What do you think that's going to look like? Because their world around them. We think we're in upheaval. We think we're in a little adjustment of trying to figure out how to live life. They just crucified Jesus. 
They were out to find every Christian that they could. And they could have then easily betrayed. Ah, oh, it wasn't Jesus. He's not gonna, he's not gonna return. His power upon high. He's not gonna come back as a king. But there was that union. That was that grounding of truth. They didn't listen to the voice of another. They had that union. They had that opportunity to exchange and wait. And so would it not be if the Old Testament, if the Old Covenant had come to a close or its fulfillment and at Pentecost, the New Testament, the New Covenant was launched or released and those began to walk it out. They said the church was then birthed, the new covenant, the new covenant church was then birthed. So then, if tabernacles is what it is to be according to the word, looking at that which is the experience of Joshua at atonement have the angels remove the filthy garments clothe him and crown him if that is what's going to transpire during this time could it be that we'll be waiting as they, not fully understanding, not having the full understanding of what is about to take place. And so I'm hoping, I'm going to finish with this, I'm hoping this morning that there's something that you will find with, uh, within purpose. He said if we asked for bread, he wouldn't give us a stone. I, I want to appeal to you. I want to appeal to you with urgency. Just ask the Father. Father, I want to know truth. I want present day the person of truth that I might see that I will watch that I'll be prepared. I'll stand with my brother, my sister. And that we want to see, that we want to see this day that we're in. That your word will be a guide unto our path. And we can trust the person of truth, your word. And we can take a step and trust you more. Amen. So I hope this, is, uh, I hope this has been uh, effectual for you this morning. Uh, I would encourage you uh, 
if you have a difficult time again in the Word, you know, we have the podcasts. Ben can make you do CDs. Uh, rehearse what's been coming these last weeks and months. Because really, it's, it's the light unto our path that's been coming. <coughs> because he doesn't want one to be lost. And he's so preparing us. But he also wants us to prepare. We want to be clothed when he comes. We want to be clothed with the truth. We want to be clothed because it's not something that you can do, but it's something that he is. He clothes you with his righteousness. And then back to Isaiah 42 and 43. That's what this is all about. Did he not say that he is going to he's going to come like a pregnant woman? He's going to fight for you. He's going to groan. He's going to travail until you are birthed. Birth to sons and daughters. Birth to where your blindness is removed. Keep birthing until you become the messengers, the testimonies of the kingdom of God. Really, that's that's what this is. And man, it's intense. Any of you have been there for a childbirth? <laughs> Man, sometimes those babies, their heads come out like they've been pounded a little bit and <laughs> gone through quite a, quite a journey coming out. But he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I chasten only those who I love. This is the greatest love chapter I think that we could ever see take place personally for you and I. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be deceived. He doesn't want us to be deceived or betrayed. He's given all that he can through his son and he wants us to have all that his son has made available to us. Amen. Love you, Ryan. How you doing? Amen. Well, how are we doing on time? Anybody got a watch? 11.22. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay, then before we go offline, we normally do our offering uh, after we go offline, but uh, we talked to uh, Roy and Susan Cipher yesterday for about two hours. It was awesome. And so Roy and Susan Cipher, if you would, if you're at home or here, write down Roy Cipher, it's R-O-Y, C-Y-P-H-E-R.com. Roy has been in the outreach ministry to the nations for 30, 40 years. We had such a wonderful conversation with them, and they have so many outreaches and orphanages, mostly through Africa, huge outreach in Pakistan, but also they reach out to the Navajos all through the West. So they had a request that the, um, the uh, orphanage in Kenya has a tremendous need to be able to rent a tractor and some seed to be able to plant. Now, he had a little clip of the orphanage and the young people that are on it and the overseer of it when they uh, were doing a fundraiser for mattresses. So you're going to see them all holding their old mattresses 
because there's about 200 young people in this orphanage. And they're all holding this mattress, hoping that people would donate for this mattress. So I wanted you to have something tangible to see. This is something real. This isn't something that your money's going to go to somebody else, right? So they can, you know, have an enjoyable vacation. These are real people. And Larry, who came at Tabernacles, who was here last year, is now taking Roy's place. And Larry is the overseer of all these orphanages now in Africa. So I wanted you to see this because there's a donate button on Roy's uh, website. But it also shows a number of other things. And so I just wanted to show this. And then we can go ahead and bring our offering if we want as we're watching this. And then as soon as we're done with that, we'll bring this to a close. So Father, I just thank you for this morning. If somebody could just bring over the offering basket. and Father, I just thank you for this morning. Father, I just thank you for Roy and Susan. Father, I thank you for this family here. Father, I thank you. Father, who are we that you would love us so? Father, who are we that you would love us so? But we are so grateful. And so, Father, more than just seed to plant and produce a crop. Father, let seed, let seed go to this orphanage in Kenya and other places. Let it be the seed of the kingdom. Let it be something more reproduced than just the natural manna. Let there be a manna, Father, come from heaven through this seed that we deposit. And that they can be those that are not betrayed, that are not deceived. That you quicken to them the spirit of truth, the spirit of life. That you reveal, you manifest the person of truth. Beyond religion, but true relationship. And so we thank you this morning. Let life come forth, Father, this morning. Be glorified in all, Father, that we do and deposit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready? Hallelujah. That's their old mattresses. as children say, but may God bless you, and they wish you a happy new year, they your blessings, they have a prayer request, they are asking to pray with us, that we may get new mattresses, 
as you look at them, they are one, they are torn apart, they are old, so they really need new mattresses that they can be comfortable in the, in the site. We need 170 pieces, mattresses that can give to these children. We need new mattresses like 170 to add on what we have. So we ask you friends to pray with us to help these children get new mattresses that they can be comfortable in the offering. Can you lift your mattress that you are having in the hand? <laughs> lift your mattress up. This is what they are using right now. This is a type of the material they are using right now. Lift it up. You see? So they need new ones. They need new ones. Please help them buy new mattresses. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> and we're going to do one last thing before we leave. I'm going to have everybody come up, if you would. Come up forward, please. Because we have one more thing. If you'll just come right across the front here. Amen. Everybody come up. Yeah, everybody that's in the room, if you're willing. Amen. If you're willing. Just right across here. Because we got something very special before we leave. Hallelujah. Maybe make two rows so everybody can see you. Let's make one row there and then one row here because I want everybody on the camera. And I want you to face the cameras. Face the camera back there if you would, please. Hallelujah. Come on. Deb, over here, like here, so everybody can see. Chris, Ben, yeah, everybody in the middle. Some of you up front here so they can all see you. Richard, Tom, come up front here. Yep, there we go, right up here. Hallelujah. How are we doing, Jackie? Awesome. Now we have that way. Now we have, we have a special occasion this morning. We have Tom and Judy Hunt that are celebrating their anniversary. Did she say how many years? Sixty. Are you that old, Judy? Hallelujah. All right. Then we are going to sing Happy Anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, dear Tom and Judy. To you. Tom and Judy, we love you. I'm hoping you're blessed. We release the very prosperity, not just in the natural, but in the spirit. We release our love and the blessings of the Father, His favor, divine health, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a quickening, a quickening of that which is His presence to each, each of you as you celebrate this time of 60 years. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, to everyone, we bless you. We say goodbye until we meet again.